Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. And all, while we're turning there, be reminded of even what the children teach us there, the congregational amen that we ought to have in their singing. They're saying amen. We ought to all the more say amen to God's Word, especially when Christ gives us His Word to sing. He loves to hear the children sing as well. Well, let's uh, looking at uh, Matthew 7. We're looking at verses 21 to 27. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 27. And before we read God's Word, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful that You speak to us. We're thankful You give us Your Word to sing. We're thankful You give us Your Word to hear. We pray that You would work that Word by Your Holy Spirit into our minds, our hearts, our wills, our affections, every part of us, body and soul, that we would be molded as disciples, true disciples of Jesus Christ, Your Son, as He speaks, as our King, Jesus, speaks to us. Grant us to make the righteous choices that we must make and turn from every evil choice, both presented to us, all presented to us here in the passage. And Father, turn us to the ways of Christ, Your Son alone. And by Your Spirit, we pray that You would speak through Your servant and humble him and humble all of us to hear Jesus speak. We pray in His name. Amen. Matthew 7, verse 21. These are God's words. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Those are God's words. Jesus is here calling you, as He has in the last few Lord's Days, is looking at uh, and looking at this passage in Matthew chapter seven. He's calling you to make a decision today, a choice. There are always choices, decisions that need to be made, choices that need to be made that you must make daily. And the choices Jesus is calling you. To, to today uh, are the most important decisions that you will ever make. And the effects and the consequences are eternal. 
forever. We have heard thus far Jesus' call. Even last time, He called you to a decision. As Jesus is, again, very black and white, He gives you two options. To enter in at the wide gate, to travel the broad way in which many travel, which leads to destruction, or what He calls you to, saying, enter ye in at the straight gate. Why? Because straight is the gate, narrow the way which few travel on that leads to eternal life. You have two options, friends, two options of who influences you. That's what we heard last Lord's Day. Who will it be? False prophets? False teachers? Deceivers? The people who you have been warned about? Or will you listen to true pastors, true preachers, true teachers, true servants of Christ? The third choice now is what we have before us today. It's a choice between the two foundations. We heard the illustration of those foundations there at the end, verses 24 to 27. Two foundations. Of what foundation will you build your life upon? Your eternity upon. The first point this morning is the doer of the Father's will. (coughs) The doer of the Father's will. See verse 21. So not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is... In heaven. The doer of the Father's will. Jesus says it. It's right there before your eyes. Right? The easy believism of the 20th century, the early 21st century, now, Jesus takes that false teaching and he smashes it to pieces. And there'll be many people that will say, Well, I just need to believe. That's all I need to do. I just need to believe. I'll be saved. We're good. And I'll be, and I'll have eternal life. That's easy believism. And Jesus says, nope. The thought and the life of your antinomianism or against God's law. Thank you. Uh, Where you think, as long as you believe the gospel, believe in Jesus Christ, then you can live however you want. Give no care to God's law. Give no care to God's commandments. (coughs) That teaching is false. Jesus says, to just believe and you can live however you want. doesn't matter about God's commandments. We don't have to keep His commandments. Uh, Some would say that teaching is false. Because He says here, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
Do you understand the implications of that? All those who call upon the Lord, who call upon the Lord for salvation, Lord, save me. Using the mere words, Lord, save me. Not all who do so will be saved. Not all who do so will enter into the kingdom of heaven. How many in the church are like this, friends? Jesus here, He comes, He tells His disciples, all of you, He tells you, the uselessness of a mere outward profession. Not all that profess and call themselves Christians shall be saved. If we were to talk to everyone in the church throughout the world today, Jesus is saying here that to enter the kingdom, His kingdom requires far more than most people think is necessary. There is more required than most people think to save a soul. You might be baptized. You might boast about your privileges in the church. You might uh, possess great and vast head knowledge of God's Word. The great doctrines we find in the Word, you might know them well. You may be correct theologically in most all of them. You might be quite satisfied in your own state. You may even be a preacher, a teacher, an elder, a deacon. You may do a lot of things for your local congregation, in this congregation. But the question Jesus requires us to ask is, are we practically doing the will of the Father in heaven? Is it enough to call Jesus Lord? And so that's what we're considering, friends. Perhaps think of it like this. You walk up to Christ's kingdom, to the gates. And you cry out to the king, 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 Lord, Lord. Is that sufficient to make you a citizen of his kingdom? King Jesus says, no, absolutely not. You're like those in, almost like those in Nehemiah, the foreigners who are outside the gates. And they're trying to come in and sell their burdens on Sabbath. And the king doesn't need you. Doesn't want you there. He shuts the gate upon you. You think as long as you profess faith, you sit there and and worship every Lord's Day, you talk like a Christian, you act like a Christian, that you're part of His kingdom? And Jesus says, no, you're not. Not on that alone. But we said, Lord, Lord. We cried out to Him. We professed, called upon His name for salvation, right? Romans We used your name. We said the prayer. Right, that was prevalent 20 years ago a lot. Right? We said the prayer. The sinner's prayer. The Reformed Christian would say, or the Reformed church member would say, once saved, always saved, right? And we profess faith in Christ. And we came before the congregation. We took vows. We were baptized. We partake of communion. Well, friends, not everyone that believes themselves to be Christ's servant and confesses Him to be His Lord shall be saved. 
A man or woman may profess themselves to be a Christian, seem to be zealous in avowing Christ to be their Lord, and yet disobedient to His doctrine, to the teachings He has in His Word. And that's what He's saying here. Of all that He has taught in chapters 5-7, through again, this is the conclusion or the summary, the conclusion of the whole thing right here at the end. And you'll find there, if you go back, there's a lot of law. A lot of commandments. A lot of things that Jesus is saying, this is what is required of you if you're a citizen in my kingdom. Third commandment, sixth commandment, seventh commandment, we expounded upon, He commanded those. He called called you to repentance and to grow in His kingdom and that His kingdom would grow. He said, uh, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. But if those things are not existent in you, there is no obedience to the king, then he's saying you're not in the kingdom. You have the outward expressions, perhaps you have an outward profession, but no heart changes, no inward reality of what you're professing, that he is your Lord. Well, if He's truly your Lord, you would act a certain way, right? If He was your King, you would act a certain way and live a certain way. And he says, He's saying here, if there's no heart change, there's no inward reality of those truths, then you're not in My kingdom. And so He's clear. Jesus is very clear once again. The professors of Christianity, those who profess to be Christians, who have no sound, true, continuing faith and repentance, are those who will be excluded out of the heaven. Out of heaven, not found in the kingdom. Look at verse 21 again. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Well, friends, that's what James teaches. James chapter 2. I'm going to read James chapter 2, part of it. And it says, this is exactly what Jesus is teaching here in Matthew 7. The Lord through James says this, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, and be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou, hath, uh, seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? 
And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. (coughs) Excuse me. So what is James teaching? What is Jesus teaching? That we do good works to be justified? He's not saying that. We are not justified by what we do. We're going to see that in the next point. We are not imputed, credited with the righteousness of Jesus Christ by works. If we were, then we could boast in ourselves, right? Ephesians 2. By grace are you saved through faith, not not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So that you don't boast in yourselves, but you boast in God. And so He gives you a gift of grace and faith. Romans 5, we are justified how? We are justified by faith. And we would say we are justified by faith alone. Absolutely. A faith which is a gift of God. John 6, Ephesians 2. And so then, what is the Lord through James teaching? What is Jesus teaching in Matthew 7? He's teaching those who are truly justified by faith alone... Their lives now produce good works. Abraham was justified by faith. That's what James was saying. He was justified by faith. Genesis 15. And he believed and it was credited unto him as righteousness. But James flipped it around and he brought up when he sacrificed his son Isaac first. That was Genesis 22. That happened after he believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. He brings up Abraham. He says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? He's saying the justification is proved by his works. Look at his works. You see that he is justified. How do we know? Look at his fruits. The fruit that is produced shows he is justified. And how is he justified in the first place? By faith alone. Genesis 15. And so because he believed Genesis 15, there you will see after that point, you will see good works that he is producing, the Lord is producing through him in his life. And he showed those good works in one example, an offering up of his son Isaac on the altar in Genesis 22. And so that's how, he, how it all concludes that faith without works is dead. If you have a justifying faith, a faith which justifies you, a saving faith, then there is fruit produced. There are good works. If there are no good works, if there's no fruit... If there's bad fruit still, what does that show about the tree, right? It shows the tree has bad roots. 
And it's dead. It's a dead faith. A non-existent faith. If there are no works that are being produced, no commandment keeping, no obedience to the teachings of Jesus Christ, no law keeping, then you have a non-existent faith. That is true of you. Your profession is a lie if you have a if you profess faith, but you have no good works, you're deceiving yourself. You can profess faith all day. You can pray and pray, Lord, Lord, calling out to Him. But unless you do the will of Jesus' Father in heaven, then you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. What is it that you must do? He says here, the will of His Father in heaven. Now this is His will. That you believe on Christ. That you repent of your sin. That you live a holy life for Him. And for one another. In love for our neighbor. This is His will. What does He say? 1 Thessalonians 4. This is the will of God. Even your sanctification. Our justification by faith alone works unto sanctification. Cleansing of our sin. Putting on righteousness. Right? Good works. And he continues to speak of the commands you must obey, fleeing from sin to Christ. That's what he's done in chapters 5 through 7. These are what my disciples look like. They keep my commandments. So what is it if you profess faith in Christ as King, Lord, and you cry out, Lord, Lord, and then you do not do the will of God? You mock Jesus Christ as Lord. He's not your Lord. You don't serve Him. You're not obeying Him. You serve and obey yourself or something else. You mock Him like those calling Him Lord, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! You're just like those people. The mob and the soldiers. Saying and doing are two things, two different things, friends. Matthew 21. It says, But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. And went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, the first. That's the one who said, I'm not going to go. And then later repented and went. Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe him. Continued faith and repentance leading to continued service to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what a citizen of Christ's kingdom looks like. And those who enter the kingdom of heaven are those who study to obey God's will revealed in the gospel. And that is to believe on the Son of God, Jesus Christ, 
and testify one's faith by a holy life and conversation. What else is the will of God? But that those whom the law condemns should flee to Christ Jesus by faith and study to bring forth the fruits of newness of life before Him. The doer of the Father's will. The second point this morning, the worker of righteousness. The worker of righteousness. See verse 22, it says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name? And in Thy name have cast out devils. And in Thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There are some, friends, there will be some who will say, who will come and say, Lord, Lord, for a myriad myriad of reasons, claiming to be in the kingdom and, and all basing it on what they do as the basis for which they believe they're in the kingdom. And certainly there are those who would say that they do, and it appears that they do, holy things, righteous things, in service to Jesus Christ the King. There are prophets who will do this. There are pastors who will do this. There will be teachers and elders and deacons and, and, and continuing on. There are workers of miracles. They believe these things will get them into heaven, into the kingdom. But when the day of judgment comes, Jesus here declares what He will say to them, His judgment. In verse 23, He says it very clearly. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. They will be sorely disappointed. All their hopes dashed to pieces, for they thought they were workers of righteousness. They were never, though, workers of righteousness. They not only needed to obey, that's the first point, they needed real obedience to the king. But they didn't have it because they didn't have faith. They didn't have a humble faith upon Him. And so the first thing we need to realize here is that there is first there is a day of judgment appointed. There is a day of judgment appointed for all men, women, children, all, all. And I don't like to think about it uh, very much. It's very sad, and uh, but we and we mourn of uh, those children who even died in the womb. They too will stand before the judgment. Those our family that have gone on died. They will stand before the judgment, before Christ, who sits in judgment as judge. You will stand before Christ the King, the great judge. And He will pass sentence on you. What will you say to Him? This is what the people that Jesus is talking about said to Him, or are going to say to Him. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name? In Thy name we cast out devils. In Thy name we had done many wonderful 
works. So here are those who build their hopes of heaven in the being in the kingdom upon great gifts and the service that they rendered unto, unto Christ and the church. Even much of which came, we could say, with great success. Great success. And many, Jesus says, many these will be who will be rejected by Jesus Christ and judged to eternal damnation. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name? Lord, Lord, have we not cast out many devils in Thy name? Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works in Thy name? You've done great things in the church. Lots of things in the church. Great job. Jesus says, gives you the reality check. He says, many will say that. Many who have done that will say that to me on the last day that they did great things in the church. Many things in the church. All for me, right? And He will say what? I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You think you're a worker of righteousness. Do not be deceived in the matter of your salvation, friends. Jesus is saying, for even preachers, pastors, great success, great success in their uh, ministry, prophets, miracle workers, people who gave their entire lives to the church, to Him. Jesus has many of them deceive themselves. Many of them have no saving faith. Many of them have no repentance on the life. And all which they preach and proclaim and live out before others will be rejected. And this is done how? Their profession appears how? These things that they have done, they weren't in our names... Right? It's not in our name that they're doing these things. So it appears more righteous. It's not in your name that they're doing this. If it was a pastor, if it was me, it's not in your name that I'm doing this. They're saying, in thy name, King Jesus, in thy name, we did these things. It was not even unto our own glory. It was unto your glory, Jesus. It was under Your glory that we did these things in Thy name. Prophesied, performed miracles, did wonderful things, preached, right? In Thy name. How many prophets in the Old Testament that Jehovah never sent prophesied for Him? Falsely. And yet they prophesied in His name. Did they not? They were false. They were judged. People flocked to them. They wanted to hear them prophesy. A man may be a preacher, may have gifts for the ministry, have an external call, that is, a church called him to be their pastor. And perhaps they'll have some success in it. Lots of people will come into the church. Lots of people will profess faith, take vows, right? Be baptized. And yet even we know, 
Even that pastor can be a wicked man. May help others to heaven, and yet come short of it himself. One might cast out demons, and yet be a son of perdition. They might cast out devils, and yet remain a child of the devil. But but in your name we've done these wonderful works. Yeah, but you didn't believe on the only name under heaven by which you must be saved. In Jesus Christ, to turn from your sin, you never did that. You never wanted to do that. Nor was uh, their, their life lived of love and obedience unto the Lord. Consider John's Gospel. All the miracles Christ did. And as He's doing those miracles, people are flocking to Him. Right? The Jews flocking to Him. They want to see the miracles. They want to see these great things happening. But when He called them to follow Him, they departed from Him. It's easy to think you're doing well if you're speaking in tongues or healing people. The world loves that kind of stuff. You look just like, a, you know, just look at Benny Hinn or someone like that. But Jesus comes and He says here, real holiness and sanctification is what is accepted before My Father. Works of righteousness based upon faith in Me, not in yourself. What a great saying. Grace will bring a man to heaven without working miracles, but working miracles will never bring a man to heaven without grace. And all three of these different groups here, at least described in verse 22, their hearts are where? Look at, look at it again. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name? And in Thy name have cast out devils, and in Thy name done many wonderful works. Where is their focus? It's not on the Lord. They're trying to give an excuse, a, a, a reason for, for why they should be in the kingdom of heaven. What are they saying? It's what we did. It's what we did that we should enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yes, we did it, Lord. We did it in Your name. But, it's, but we did it, therefore we deserve to be in the, the kingdom. They come before the judgment seat of Christ. And the judge, uh, Jesus Christ, and they pleaded before Him, Here are my works. Here, here's what I've done. What does God say? Our righteousness is as menstrual rags, right? It's filthy, gross, right? Here's my menstrual rags. Here's my dirty rags, my bloody rags. This is why I should have this is why I should be in the kingdom. Look at my bloody rags. Uh, explain that to your sister. She had a confused face on her uh, confused face there. Look at, in other words, look at all these dirty, filthy things, Lord. This is why I should be in the kingdom. Right? It doesn't make any sense. They confided in their works. Well, how wonderful they were. Simon Magus is one like this. He'd give money. He was, he was willing to give all his money to be able to perform miracles, to have that power 
To do what? So he could say to the Lord, Lord, look at all my power and the workings that I got to do. He was cast out. Might have a good reputation in the church because of what they've done, but that won't get you anywhere in the kingdom of heaven. And so, friends, what the Lord Jesus is saying to you here is don't rest upon your, your works. Don't rest upon your external privileges, in, even in the church. Can't rest upon that. Jeremiah 48, what did they put their confidence in? They put their confidence in something external, Bethel. And Moab shall be ashamed of uh, Chemosh, as the house of Israel was ashamed of Bethel, their confidence. They put confidence in Bethel, they became ashamed of it. Zephaniah 3, they took pride in the holy mountain. For then will I take away out of the midst of thee them that rejoice in thy pride, and thou shalt no more be haughty because of my holy mountain. They took pride in the holy mountain. That's how they believed they would be saved. Jeremiah 7, they had the temple. That's how they believed they were good before the Lord. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these... They trusted in the temple. Today you might come and you say, yeah, but, but I'm prepared right now for the judgment seat. In which you'll come and you'll say on the, this last point, Lord, Lord, am I a, I, I'm a professing believer in the name of Jesus Christ. But where are your works? Jesus will say, verse 21, and now here in the second point, he'll, you'll, you'll say, Lord, Lord, am I not Presbyterian in thy name? Am I not Reformed in thy name? Have we not argued against, Lord, uh, the false teachings of whoever in your name? And Lord, Lord, in thy name I gave to the church, in thy name I evangelized, in thy name I came to worship, in thy name I gave up many things to serve you, in thy name I did all these things. And all those things, friends, and all those things Jesus will say, many are like that, who say that. And then I will profess uh, profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Friends, if you you don't have a true repentance and faith, you can have all these great graces and gifts, no matter how who you are, what you do. If that true faith and true repentance doesn't produce itself with real fruit that is true according to God's word, by His grace, by His Holy Spirit working through you, and the account uh, that you'll have to give before the great Judge Jesus Christ, He will. Deem you workers of iniquity. If you don't have true saving faith, if you don't turn from your sins and turn unto Him because you are not good enough yourself, your righteousness is gross before Him. And the only way you can be saved is to have perfect righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the good works and our obedience unto Him only by His grace. If you don't have true saving faith and the fruit that comes from true saving faith, then you'll be deemed workers of iniquity. And you'll not dwell with His people in glory. So here is an answer to one of these great questions often asked. If there are so many good people in this world, 
you know, then, then why do I need to become a Christian or whatever? Jesus says, yes, it appears that there are many good working people in the world, even those who are in the visible church. That's who he's talking about here. Look at all of them. Even people who are prophesying, working miracles, doing and performing wonderful works. Friends, Jesus is saying, unless the good worker who casts out the devils and the performing of the miracles and does good works is a justified Christian by faith alone, who produces works with a renewed heart, then all those who do the great works are just workers of iniquity. They may profess faith in Christ, but they are not convicted in their hearts of how absolutely, incredibly sinful and wicked they are to believe in Christ, to know their need of Christ and and Him for their Savior and King. True saving faith sees how absolutely, incredibly sinful I am and you are and says, I have no hope in myself, no hope in my works. My only hope is found in the righteousness and love of Jesus Christ my King. And I serve Him in His righteousness according to His will. By His grace and mercy. Jesus doesn't call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. And so do not rest in external privileges and performances and what you've done when you come before the judgment seat. You must come to Him with nothing. And you come to Him pleading that He would save you. Today and that day. If we trust in our works... And we will deceive ourselves and perish forever. As many do, as Jesus warns here. Jesus doesn't say, well, too bad. He didn't say, that's okay. Here in verse 23, He says, He says, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from Me. I never knew you depart from me. As judge, he declares, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Why does he reject them? Because he never knew them. He never loved them from all eternity. He never knew them. He rejects their plea. Why? Because they're not good. They're workers of iniquity. There's no true righteousness in them. Because true righteousness in people is found only by the blood and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We go back to the the great heirs of chapter 6. It's possible for for people to have a great name of piety and yet be workers of iniquity because they're hypocrites. Many professing Christians, but merely it's a a cloak. The reality is hypocrites come to ruin. And Jesus says, I never knew you. 
You were never my servants. I was never your Lord to which I loved you and cared for you and ruled over you. In that way, a Savior, a mediatorial King rules over you. He's only known you as a hypocrite. Rotten in your heart like Judas Iscariot. Just like Judas Iscariot. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. When Jesus came in the flesh, He called sinners to Himself. But when He comes again, He sits on the judgment seats, He will drive sinners away from Him. They that will not come to Him to be saved must depart from Him to be damned. And to depart from Christ is the very hell of hell. It is the foundation of all the misery of the damned. To be cut off from all the hope that is found in Jesus Christ and His mediation. Those that go no further in Christ's service than a bare profession, He does not accept. Nor will He own them in the last day. One theologian said this, Behold from what height of hope men may fall into the depth of misery, how they may go to hell by the gates of heaven. If a preacher, one that cast out devils and wrought miracles, be disowned of Christ for working iniquity, if a preacher, what will become of us if we be found such? And if we be such, we shall certainly be found such. At God's bar, at the judgment seat, a profession of religion will not bear out any man in practice and indulgence of sin. Therefore, let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from all iniquity. And so, Christians, you must depart from all iniquity to Christ. The worker of righteousness is one who turns to Christ by faith and commits their way to Him alone with a life filled with faith and repentance and living according to His will every day for His glory. The worker of righteousness does not live by their own righteousness, but by the righteousness of Jesus Christ alone. And the last point this morning will be much shorter. The two foundations... The two foundations. This is a parable that illustrates what Jesus has just said in verses 21 to 23. And He provides you with the necessity to choose which foundation will be your foundation. There's an obvious choice, just like the last two sections we've looked at in the gates and the ways and... And then the influences. Right? He said, enter ye in at the straight gate. He commanded, beware of the false prophets. And now He calls you to have your foundation to be the rock. And your foundation would be the rock. Listen to Him in verse 24. He says, Therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, Right? He's talking about chapters 5 through 7. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, 
for it was founded upon a rock. That's one foundation. The other foundation. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And so you know, you want to be built upon the rock, right? That's what Jesus shows you very clearly. You don't want your house to be destroyed. You don't want to be destroyed. You want to stand firm. And so you want to be built upon the rock. I know you do. So does Jesus. He knows you want to be built upon the rock. So what is required to be built upon the rock? He must be built upon Christ. Listen to what he says again, verse 21 to 23. You go back, you go back to chapters 5 through 7. Those who hear these sayings of mine and doeth them. Why, why would they do them in the first place? Because they believe on Him to be our, their King and Savior. That's why they do them in the first place. But those who hear these sayings of mine and doeth them will be built upon the rock. Are you built upon Christ? Because if you are, by faith, if you're built upon Christ, you will survive the storms, right? We look at the circumstances of our lives, the dark providences that the Lord brings, death, sickness, loss of work, loss of various things, hurt, affliction, suffering. If you are built upon Christ by faith, You will survive the storms and the flood and all of it, and you'll be brought home to glory with Christ forever. But this is a warning. What if you hear these sayings of King Jesus and doeth them not? What if you don't obey the King? You should already know what's going to happen if you don't obey the King. You're going to come before the King and be judged, and you're going to be punished. That's what we should already know without even reading the text. But if you come to King Jesus and you don't do what He says in chapters 5-7 through and do all these sayings and you go throughout all the Scriptures and you don't obey all the Scriptures because that's really the big picture, then He says you will fall. And you'll be destroyed. The rest of the Scriptures talk about that destruction. It's not a temporal destruction. It is an eternal destruction ongoing over and over and over again. Destroyed. Destroyed again. Destroyed again forever and ever. That's what it's like to hear what Jesus says and not do it. Rather, you must come today and profess, I can't do it. Even all my wonderful works being stinky, bloody, worthless rags before Jehovah, they are complete unrighteousness. Because of the multitude of my sins. And I hate my sins and I turn from them this very day to King Jesus, to you King Jesus, to save me from all my sins. Grant me the grace to follow you in righteousness by your Holy Spirit according to your word. And so professing Christian, all of you who are here today, come to Christ by faith and uh, by a true saving faith. 
But that faith can't be alone. There must be fruit. There must be good works. A life lived for Christ in His strength, not your own. In His strength and His righteousness. But do not trust in those good works either. Do not trust in the fruit that is produced in your life. Do not trust in those good works to get you to heaven. To have any bearing upon Jesus being the judge before the judgment seat. Because it's going to be His works, His righteousness that where he, you stand before the judgment seat and He says, Who are you? I am such and such. And I can only enter in because of you. Because of what you've done. And those are the, that's the fruit that I've produced. And I've sought to live for you, but that means nothing. It's only because of you. Do not trust the good works to get you to heaven. But you turn to Christ, you live for Him, and you honor Him all your days according to His grace. And so you're to come unto Him by faith, and He promises you, you shall be saved. And so King Jesus says to you who are saved, Obey Me, and fall not. Be founded upon Me. Keep My commandments. If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. And if you love Him by His grace, you will stand and fall not, being founded upon Christ. So the choice is before you. Christ as your foundation. Or another foundation. All other foundations fall. The foundation of Christ being the cornerstone stands forever. And so choose Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, thank You for Your Word again. We're thankful for its clarity. We ask for your help. You would teach us your ways. But Father, grant faith today to your people, to your elect, that you would bring them to Christ, your Son, for, from their sins and repentance unto life. That you would produce good work in all your people, good works, fruit, good fruit. Not the wild fruit, not bad fruit, not dead fruit, but good fruit that we might honor You and serve You in this life. Sanctify us. That on that day when we come before the judgment seat, Father, we pray that You would find us to be those sinners redeemed by You in Christ Your Son. And that the righteousness of Christ stands as what is accounted unto us. But Father, even now, we don't trust merely in Christ. We trust Him. But we plead as well that You would produce good works and so that we would be found to be citizens of Your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.